When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Red Inca, except it's not really an episode of Red Inca. In fact, it's an episode of West Indies on 99.94. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. The man with the hat is... I'm Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, and I'm one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, but I'm actually one half of West Indies on 99.94. And the man without the hat is... Yep, my name is Santoki, and I guess I'm the other half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, and also now the other half of West Indies on 99.94. That was so smooth. It's like we we spent hours rehearsing this, especially (laughs) the bit where Michelle had to think what his name was for about four seconds. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to 99.94. It's huge for us. You're our first podcast that isn't me, um, which of course is a bit weird now that I'm hosting, (laughs) hosting this particular episode, but it will be you guys on your own very soon. Let's talk about where you've come from, why you're here, West Indies cricket and everything uh, for this first episode. The Caribbean Cricket Podcast came out of a frustration of a lack of coverage of the West Indies cricket. More specifically, if I remember, Michelle, we bonded over you slagging me off and calling me English on Twitter, uh, which, no, I haven't forgotten. And no, I never will forget. I've got an actual little frame of your tweet in my office. But I think that's fair to say that you were frustrated that West Indies cricket wasn't being covered correctly. Yeah, um, I, I'm not going to apologise, Jared. <laughs> if that's what you're hoping for me to do, no apology is forthcoming, although <laughs> I was shocked when you actually told me you were Australian. <laughs> but, um, but no, you're, you're right, you're right. Uh, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast was literally born out of feeling that there wasn't a focused medium that was deep diving on, on West Indies cricket. And when I say that, I don't mean deep diving on... Um, one island only or one country o- only, but literally looking at all of the the social, cultural, political ramifications and uh, discourse that goes on on a daily basis um, with the West Indies cricket team, uh, both male and female. So we just we just felt that there wasn't a voice out there, and y- you know the saying, Jared, you're you're the best person at it. If somebody's not doing something, go and do it yourself to prove it should and can be done. Yeah, I mean, that's my entire career at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting when you look at it, Santoki, there's cricket and cricket bars have never had long-term permanent West Indies correspondents. It isn't that they haven't had anyone. Um, certainly people have floated through and semi-professional, but you're talking about, I don't know, let, let's say two and a half to $3 billion in, in cricket website valuation <laughs> between those two. And yet they haven't found a way to actually just have a correspondent in the West Indies. It's a bit of a problem. Yeah, and it, it sort of means you're not getting, well, the world isn't getting regular updates from the West Indies cricket team and the current crop of players aren't getting the spotlight, which a lot of them deserve. And we often found, me and Michelle, that 
with West Indies cricket, it was fueled by nostalgia. So it's particularly when West Indies played England, there was a lot of emphasis on Viv Richards and Clive Lloyd, that ever, that golden generation. And West Indian players such as when Shy Hope hit the century at Headingley, it wasn't a look at how good he was. It was whether he can replicate what previous generations had done. So there was always this heavy burden placed on current players to fulfil the what the previous generations had done. And at the same time, they weren't given their own credibility and respect because they were being compared to a essentially a, a once-in-a-lifetime golden generation that we had in the region. So me and Michelle, we wanted to put a spotlight on the new couple of players coming through and tell the stories that weren't being told on a global level. Yeah, just to update for any fans who haven't followed Shy Hope's career since that 100 in Test Cricket, he's not quite lived up to, to the names before him. He struggled a lot. I think the other thing, Michelle, it's worth saying that it's not a, it's not a normal structure. Obviously, they're different countries, but there isn't like a, a media arm that sort of looks after it. I know there's, you know, university networks and television phone networks and all that sort of stuff. But even then, if you do a tour of the West Indies, you end up with four SIM cards. And one of them is a US SIM card, and I've never even understood how that works. And the newspapers are very, very similar. You you know, the Jamaica Glean is a very good newspaper, but it's a Jamaican newspaper, and it may not give a shit about solution cricketers. Yeah, most definitely. And I think if I if I... Think back to when I did my my A-levels in Jamaica. And as you correctly point out, there's two major um, newspapers in Jamaica, for example, the Jamaica Glean and the Jamaica Observer. And both of them will have dedicated sections to the West Indies, but it's not really telling the story of the West Indies per se. So, yeah, they'll talk about the score. They'll talk about the test match. But in general, each country covers their own country people in more detail than they would about the ramifications around the region. So Santoki being of Guyanese extract, I wouldn't read in Jamaica a one page pullout on the difficulties that Shea Hope has had in test cricket, for example. But when you consider that the West Indies is an international side, that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but, but it speaks to the West Indies isn't a nation. So it speaks to the fact that it's a disparate collection of territories that come together for one thing and one thing only, and that's being moderate at cricket. <laughs> I thought that was going to be cussing you guys out on YouTube <laughs> where you were going there. Um, Satoki, you, I, I remember you telling a story to me once about, um, I think it was in Guyana, there was some test match where uh, was that Pamol had not been picked or maybe had been dropped or something. And all the coverage from Guyana was about that. And none of the coverage was about who was in the side and why they were in the side and what was happening. Yeah, exactly. When West Indies came to tour England in 2020, I mean, at one point I thought the country was going to riot over Pamol's uh, exclusion from the West Indies side. And that kind of emphasised in a nutshell the insularity of media in the region on um, Whereas once Pamor wasn't in the side and Hetmeyer also wasn't in there, so there wasn't any Guyanese representation, it became an agenda about why there weren't Guyanese players in the side rather than looking at, OK, the West Indies are touring England, let's see how they can perform. So this, I mean, this politics and insularity in the region, it's not a new thing. It's been around since the West Indies cricket team has been formed, but it does hinder the coverage that people do get of the West Indies as a collective unit. Yeah, I think... If you're an outsider, I mean, I forget the name of it. There was a great, it might have been before um, before your time, guys, but there was a great uh, forum that used to uh, go on West Indies cricket and you could get, people would basically put up little snippets from all the new, different newspapers or, you know, at least say what was happening in the newspapers. And that probably 
that was probably one of the bigger cricket forums in the world because it was the only place to get regular West Indies content. But outside of that, we really haven't had that. And it means that I think there are a lot of people who culturally have West Indies as their second, third favorite team or are interested in, in the West Indies for whatever reason. It's really hard to get just normal cricket information out of them, isn't it, Michelle? Yeah. And in many ways, that's why West Indies on 99.94 is such an important show to listen to. Because, and, but on a serious note, at, at the end of the day, if, if people want a reference point for, let's take, let me create some random head. In fact, no, not random. Let's pick real headlines. If people want a reference point for where is Evan Lewis? And why won't West Indies take Evan Lewis to the World T20 World Cup qualifiers? Well, because of the way the West Indies works, there's a long-winded story to tell that, unfortunately, ESPN's not covering it. CrickBuzz isn't covering it. In fact, the only people who do seem to be covering it is us. <laughs> um, and to, to, to almost like ex- expand that further, um, I went to the, the press conference where it became clear that the Evan Lewis... Um, wasn't being considered due to fitness. I, I'll, I'll always remember this, that I went to the press conference and all the journalists asked their questions. And after seven or eight questions had been asked, I was sitting there in the background going, am I going to ask anything at this press conference? And I was like, why? Why has no one asked a question about Evan Lewis? But that was because people weren't thinking outside of their particular territory, if, if that makes any sense. So it's much easier for myself and Santokia's we're not neutrals. Don't get me wrong. Like when when Jamaica Talawar is playing the CPL, I hope they crush the Guyana Amazon Warriors, for example. So I'm, I'm not going to try and pretend I'm an out and out neutral. But what I will say is that by being outside of the the the, the bubble, so to speak, it's much easier to look at the holistic story without a without a nation bias without a nation bias to it. So you talk about a previous website, I'd argue that that's effectively what we have replaced crucially for the West Indian diaspora around the world, primarily the the United States and, and, and the UK or North America, I should say. But also, as you say, Jared, the West Indies is everybody's second side. And um, I think people appreciate understanding the, the the dynamics behind what makes the West Indies the West Indies. I think Pakistan's my second side, but that look, I'm not <laughs> even going to. So, Caribbean Cricket Podcast, uh, you know, knowing you two a little bit, it's quite clear to me, Santoki, that this would have all started with Michelle and he would have uh, dragged you to the microphone somehow. How did you two guys hook up um, platonically, as far as I'm aware? And then how does the Caribbean Cricket Podcast come out of that? Yeah, so I guess um, we sort of just came across each other on Twitter. I guess we were one of the two of the few people in England tweeting about West Indies cricket on a regular basis. So we sort of just naturally found each other. Um, And I think it was about late 2018, Michelle actually um, DM'd me and said, um, I've ruined my reputation. I've insulted Jared. I need to kind of rebuild my image on on, on Twitter. (laughs) So so that was essentially how the project was born. But no, Michelle was like, we need to start a podcast. We need to tell stories from West Indies. Um, Unfortunately us being us there was about a six month gap before either of us any did anything um we started recording on skype in about 29 mid to late 2019 just me and him just talking bringing up the latest issues in west indies cricket it was sporadic once every few months but then lockdown hit we found ourselves with a lot more time 
And we actually, Michelle actually messaged uh, Johnny Grave, the Cricket West Indies CEO on LinkedIn and said, Johnny, do you want to come on the podcast? Johnny was in Antigua where he was also in lockdown. He had nothing better to do. So he came on the podcast and it sort of started a domino effect. Once you've got one guest on, more will come. We ended up getting Ram Naresh Sharwan on the next week and then Kyron Powell. Um, and it just spiraled from there. We, we got a deal with the Cricketer for CPL 2020, a partnership with CPL themselves in 2021. And we've just had a myriad of guests coming on, um, Kyron Pollard, Michael Averton, Jimmy Adams. And we sort of just become, I guess, the go-to for West Indies cricket news at the moment through the podcast. There's absolutely no doubt that there's a reason the mainstream media haven't been covering this. But when you do start to cover a topic that people do care about, even if it's a small uh, amount, it gets a lot more attention. I remember, you know, Raf Nicholson um, and, and others getting a lot of attention very quickly on, on women's cricket. And, you know, Tim Wigmore basically building a career writing about associate cricket and cricket politics, right? I think it was Sky. I, I, I felt like you'd only done about an episode and a half and Sky was mentioning you guys on air. That doesn't happen to normal podcasts. That shows that what a big gulf there was and what a big impact you made, even if we know that you're probably never going to be able to retire off uh, Caribbean Cricket Podcast. You might be able to do off West Indies on 99.94, but not off the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. So, you know, did it shock you how quickly everyone seemed to know about it? Well, first things first, you both gassed us up there and then killed our dreams in the space of about 15 seconds. <laughs> that seems pretty fair for me. <laughs> but, but no, you, you're right. What, what effectively happened was, and it was all coincidence. So I'm not going to try and pretend this was, um, was a master plan. That England tour was crucial because Santoki alludes to the fact it was lockdown, but also the first cricket major, sorry, the first major global tour, yeah. uh, during, not even after, during lockdown, was West Indies tour in England. And um, West Indies had to take a 26-man squad to England in case, well, no, to do a warm-up game between each other and in case there was COVID and so on and so forth. And I'll always and you two were the only ones who actually knew 26 players from the West <laughs> Indies at that time. <laughs> even the selectors were like, Jimmy Adams is calling you up going, guys, who have you got for number 25? <laughs> At one, at one point, I thought I might have to get my gloves. But I remember that Santoki and I discussed it because we were speaking to like the West Indies media saying, oh, you know, this is our podcast. And obviously we'd already had Johnny Grave on. And um, we we're like, oh, it would be good to interview some of the players. And I'll always remember that they said, who do you want? And Santoki and I were going back and forth going, who's the most interesting player to get an interview with? And we picked Josh De Silva. Now, with respect to Josh De Silva, at that point in time, unless you had played for old Wimbledonians, you wouldn't have known who Josh De Silva was, which was the, 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 the I want to say village, well, let's call it village, which was the village, which was the village side he played for on tour as an 18-year-old um, in England. And um, I said, I think Santok and I agreed, let's get Josh because his story is unique. Um, mm. He played for the emerging players um, in 2019 in Super 50, but in essence... Unless you are a West Indies diehard, which is about 17 people, um, and unless you were from Trinidad, you wouldn't know who Josh De Silva was. And as an England fan, you wouldn't have paid any attention to the 15 players who were named as the auxiliary extras outside of the actual West Indies squad. And Josh is a, um, a white Caribbean. And that's important to this story because... Again, for most people outside of the Caribbean, they think Afro-Caribbean. They might think Indo-Caribbean if they actually know the Caribbean, but they're not really thinking about white Caribbeans. And um, 
So we said, let's do a story. And Josh was a fantastic guest, an absolutely fantastic guest. Um, and he's a YouTuber star in his own right, right? So as luck would have it, we do the interview with Josh. We drop that. I think the next test match, which was surely only about two or three days later, um, Shane Dowrich goes off for concussion. And Josh DeSilva, who had just recorded an episode with us, telling us how he was so glad to just be on tour, just for, just, like, he'd never dreamt he'd ever get anywhere near the West Indies side, suddenly walks out onto the field to replace Shane Dowrich as, um, as the concussion sub. And then at that point, Michael Atherton makes reference to the podcast, having interviewed Josh DeSilva, and it was all coincidence. And Athers makes reference to it because, as you now coming back full story to you, uh, Jared, no one else had filled the void. No one, mm. no one else had bothered to think about who's got stories to tell in this in this in this West Indies team. And in many ways, that story probably encapsulates everything we've done thus far. In so much as finding the stories in the character around the West Indies team that, yeah, they might not be big in the here and now, but we believe that they have such um, resonance that eventually people are going to want to hear about them at some point in time. Well, it's also, it, that's what beat writers do, right? So back in the old days of cricket, major cricket writers were going under 19 tours mm. to build relationships with players so they would need them years later. No one's doing any of that in West Indies. And to be honest, I heard uh, the first time I even saw his name probably was on your podcast, right? You know, so, you know, scanning through Caribbean cricket podcast, I see this name, I'm like, okay, I'll listen to this. Why have they got a Sri Lankan player on was my first thought. Um, Because every other De Silva in cricket ever has probably been from Sri Lanka. I start listening and I'm like, I'm quite interested in it. And that is, I I think, really interesting. But you've also been able to touch on some great issues. I know, Michelle, I had you on my podcast to talk about basketball, um, basketball, well, not crushing cricket in the West Indies, as we probably worked out. But Santoki, you had that great um, episode with Bharat Sundarason about uh, Indo-West Indian culture. That's the right term, isn't it? Yeah. Just suddenly halfway through, I was like, am I saying that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Indo-Caribbean. So we got Bar- Bharat Sundarason, who'd, um, who covered a few West Indies tours in India to come on. And we looked at kind of what Michelle alluded to, white West Indians. Indo-Caribbeans, I guess a lot of people will know, they'll know Chandapur, Sarwan in the West Indies side. But we kind of highlighted the distinct cultural differences within the region. So the traditions that they've kept from India and maintained in the Caribbean. And it kind of was eye-opening to a lot of people. And it was our most listened to episode for a long time, just because there was nothing else on the topic. And people just didn't know how this kind of makeup of the West Indian culture and, and this aspect. So that for me is probably one of our, our proudest episodes that we've done. Um, just because again, it filled a void of something not a lot of people were talking about. And also again, highlights the differences between someone from Guyana and someone from Jamaica, just the cultural and social um, dynamics at play and how different the region is as a whole. But we kind of have to form an uneasy alliance um, in this West Indian cricket team. So I think, yeah, for me, it just filled another void that people were definitely interested in, but, they didn't have any access to before we we've done that. Mm. No, it's, I, I mean, for me, I've always been really fascinated in it because there are obviously some West Indian cricketers who've been very strong on Black Lives Matter and race, but maybe not as strong on, on the relationship between Asian, um, you know, uh, cricketers and black cricketers at times. And th- I've got many stories about players who are half and half uh, who believe they were attacked by both. 
it's important to note for all these people at the moment going, wait a minute, has Jared killed the Caribbean Cricket Podcast? I have not. You guys are going to continue to do that. Um, it's going to keep keep going, but we're also going to be uh, making, we're going to be completely rinsing you and making you do a bunch of episodes for us. But the biggest problem I saw for you guys is just how amateur it was. Um, obviously, you both have regular job type job. I think being a journalist is a pr proper job, but my parents don't and they're in the other room. So uh, I don't want them to come in and go, it's not a real job. You guys have real jobs, uh, obviously government job and teacher, um, uh, you know, both skimming money off the government any way that you can. Bravo to you. What you both really want to do, though, is go towards making this a little bit more professional. Obviously, Michelle, you write about football. Mm -hmm. um, you write about a football team that is about one one hundredth as popular as as West Indies cricket, which I think is absolutely great. Bromley, if if you're a football fan, you've never heard of Bromley. That make uh, that makes sense. But the idea for you, you you came through Gorilla Cricket. You've obviously done some writing now as well. You've done some podcasting work. You're aiming towards being a fully-fledged professional, whereas at the moment you're just um, – I, I believe the phrase you used recently was, I tweet a lot on my toilet breaks. <laughs> yeah, it, it's basically that. You, where I, I would say we're somewhere between a passion project and – well, no, the, no, it's just that. <laughs> <laughs> we're somewhere between a passion project and unemployed. <laughs> so, yeah, it's – no, do you know what, what – we're a passion project that has the raw materials to be more than that, but without, I guess, for want of a better phrase, the support or the capabilities to do that. And in many ways, that's what 99.94 .94 is. I think 99.94, .94, for those listening to this, will basically be a more professional version of us. That's not to say that... The Don't don't promise anything you can't keep up. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's not to say the stuff that we'll still do on Caribbean Cricket Podcast won't be good but i just think 99.94 will see a more regular more polished version of what we do and um yeah and to just to answer your other question yeah in an, in an ideal world uh i'd say that i'd be able to do more of this and less of my my actual job but we'll see we'll see let's just let's just say um the jury's out on that and let's see how how things progress over time Let's take it one podcast at a time. Um, Santoki, you're sort of new to cricket writing, but you're not new to writing, are, are you? And that's kind of without putting either of you in a box. I see you as the writer who nods along to Michelle's long rants. And Michelle is very much the broadcaster who pretends to know as much as the writer. Is that fair? Yeah, I think I think when we started the podcast, obviously, um, Michelle had identified he was interested in broadcasting. I was more interested in the writing aspect. So as you said, in, in past few months, I've been in ESPN Quick Info with interview of Nicholas Poran, The Guardian, and just kind of building towards that. Um, so I guess it works well as a combination because we bring two different skill sets to kind of our knowledge and what we bring to the podcast. But as you said, yeah, before cricket writing, I was more involved in football writing. Um, I used to write for the Guyana Football Federation, do their press releases and media. So I've kind of just transferred into a... Uh, West Indian cricket writing and yeah we're just um I guess it's also we're not just limiting ourselves to one skill set we do dip in between in between um different aspects as well so you will see Michelle writing as well for big publications about West Indies cricket and stuff so I think yeah that's pretty much us 
And you're born and educated in the UK, but your mum is Guyanese? Yeah, my mum, my mum's Guyanese. My granddad went to school and played cricket with Rowan Kanai and Basil Butchar. So that's kind of why, I mean, a lot of people will immediately listen to us and think, why are two guys with distinct London accents so passionate about West Indies cricket? But mine is the legacy. Michelle was born in Jamaica, done part of his school in Jamaica. So for us, especially coming from London, where we didn't necessarily play cricket as kids, this is more West Indies as our cultural and, and kind of tie and our legacy, which is why we've, we're trying to carry on that knowledge to the future generations as well. And I, I mean, just on the legacy thing, I think it's really interesting. If you, if you go back into the history, CLR James and Tony Cozier are huge media, non-playing, which is a really important thing as well. Huge non-players who become massive in media. Uh, Tony Cozier, and I don't mean this in any way, is sort of like the slight discount version of Richie Benno, right? Like he did everything Richie Benno did except without the leg spin. And it probably didn't look quite as stylish in the shirts, but hey, we, we do what we can. Um, but, you know, CLR James will, as long as we talk about cricket, be remembered as a great cricket writer and he'll probably be remembered as a great writer beyond cricket as well. Those are two huge names. And I think, Michelle, when Tony Cozier passes, he's replaced by silence, isn't it? Basically, yeah, he is replaced by silence. And I think it's hard enough to replace a great. And I think for, for many people of a certain vintage and age, when they think West Indies cricket, even in our decline, you think Tony Cozier. Um, and you think his voice, whether on radio, whether on TV, or whether you're somebody who preferred his his uh, his print his print writing that you just think Tony Cozier and I don't think anything has replaced him the only I wouldn't say print wise but in terms of West Indies encyclopedia wise I think Fazer is the closest in 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 Fazer Mohammed for those who don't know in terms of drawing the stories together from the past but even when when we did our episode with Fazer Mohammed Fazer talks about Tony Cozier like we're talking now, like Tony Cozier was a god to him. So that kind of shows you the levels. And I think where West Indies cricket is is at now, I don't think we have global writers. Santoki is the closest, and he actually has another job. <laughs> but what we do have and what we still have a currency for is West Indian voices. So you'll still hear a bish. A Kirtley Ambrose, a, a Ganga, a, a Badri, a, a Stacey Ann King. And I'm thinking across like the the global the global channels. But in terms mm. of Brian Lara commentated recently, didn't he? He's did he do some IPL last year or something? I'm not counting that. But <laughs> no, okay, that's fair. Not, no, count the IPL. I'm not counting Brian Lara doing it. But, uh, but um, what a way to start the West Indies podcast <laughs> for just unnecessarily slagging off Brian Lara's commentary. <laughs> No, only I thought we were leaving the cuss outs for the Caribbean Cricket <laughs> Podcast, but apparently they're coming right over. <laughs> Controversy but, creates cash, as they say. <laughs> but yeah, no, to, to, just to kind of finish that point, there are voices out there. What I don't mm. think there is the global equivalent. I think we are the global equivalent, Santoki, but I don't think there's a global equivalent of in depth story telling if that's the right phrase to use or story finding to give a bit more context behind what people are are hearing on tv so again you're not gonna hear bish on tv go into massive detail about why evan lewis is not committed to playing for the west indies but you will hear us on 99.94 talking about why evan lewis is playing for the west indies yeah i also think that there's some and i don't know if it's just because west indian voices 
sound so different that they work in a way that we're starting to see a lot of island voices come through in commentary as well for a similar reason, right? Because they don't sound like normal cricket voices. Uh, you know, the, well, by normal cricket voices, I really mean Indian, Australian, and English, right? With a little bit, of, maybe a little bit of South African and the odd New Zealand. So West Indian voices are more varied mm. because of the many different accents to begin with. So the, I think there is a part of that. But the interesting thing, Santoku, to me is it's just like you've got all these really high profile commentators. But it's so rare that any of them seem to get employed to talk about West Indies. They really seem to talk mostly about the IPL, the World Cup, the Under-19 World Cup, the Women's World Cup or whatever else. Yeah, no, and I guess Michael Holden would be a good example as well. He only commentated on, on during England series. So there is this, it is, it is a contradiction, as you said. We've got high quality commentators who aren't just exploring West Indian issues. And I guess... Part of it as well, Tony Cozy, as Michelle said, was the last great who sort of analysed what was going on in the region beyond the pitch. But even he had problems in his later life with the West Indies cricket board for what he was saying. Yeah. But the fact he was Tony Cozier and had 50 years of experience mean he could kind of rise above it. If you're a Samuel Badri now, for instance, making his way into the commentary game, you don't want to kind of blacklist yourself at this point. So you're not going to speak out about these administration issues or anything like that. So I guess there is also a fear factor and. It is like you said, we've got players we've got players like Bish and Badri and Ganga who can analyse what's going on on the pitch very well, but we haven't sort of got a voice at the moment who's talking about outside the pitch, development, administration, that kind of thing, which kind of paints the whole picture of West Indian cricket. We're just getting one dimension at the moment. Mm. No, no, I agree. I suppose what you do at the moment is you try and cover regional games, domestic games, which are not particularly easy, although they do stream a lot of them now, mm. to be fair, which is starting to get better. Emerging tours, A tours, the women's team, which is, you know, an entire genre on its own of peaks and troughs, I suppose is the best way of putting it over, over the last little time. It's not just you like, uh, you know, the, the main 11 players or whatever. There is a very deep analysis. That, that's one of the reasons I wanted you on 99.94 is you're not just telling me what Jason Holder has had for breakfast and, uh, you know, what the latest dust up between, um, you know, an official and a player is. Um, it's literally, it's going deep into the, the Josh De Silva stuff, the emerging cricketers, the women's stories. There's a real passion f- for that when you're covering it, Michelle. You're, at the moment, you're probably spreading yourselves too thin, right? Because you're trying to cover everything. And on Caribbean Cricket Podcast, that's hard to do. Hopefully on, you know, West Indies on 99.94, you'll have a little bit more room to cover everything. Yeah, and I think um, it's important for people to note that the content that we do on West Indies 99.94 will be more frequent, which will allow us to look at the different stories across across the week, whereas our episodes with um, Caribbean Cricket Podcast, they're very specific. And unless you follow our frenetic tweeting <laughs> from the toilet blocks from our jobs, <laughs> you're not going to get a full grasp of all the different things. But I do think it, it is important to stress, though, that we do try to look at all aspects of the game. So, for example, a good example would be, I mean, Barbados women are over here now. They're about to start their Commonwealth mm. Games um, campaign. We've got we're, we're doing some content with them. So that is just as, and neither one of us is Bayesian. So that is just as important to us, how Barbados, how Barbados women get on in the Commonwealth Games as it is to the fact that um, the, the recently formed Cricket West Indies Academy for under 25s recently played a warm-up game against the Antigua and Barbuda national team. Now, for the average person may not care about that, but there are people out there who want to know about that. There are people out there yeah. who do want to know about that, and that's what we're there for, to almost bring that news and say, well, actually, did you know that 
former West Indies under 19 international, uh, Kurt McKenzie scored 80 runs against Antigua and Barbuda in the first Cricket West Indies Academy warm up game. This is important for Kurt McKenzie because. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. the kind of thing we're bringing. And that's what we really want on this network. And I think we proved that, you know, I said from the start, I wanted to cover cricket as, as thoroughly as we could. And I think most people just think that that means we'll have a podcast on every IPL team. And I'm hoping we have a podcast on every IPL team and every CPL team and every women's CPL team eventually as well. But it's sort of dumb luck that you guys have ended up first, partly because you you, you come as a fully formed unit. Um, I don't have to recruit people and, you know, get them to meet each other. And you guys know how to podcast and everything else. But it's also, I think, for 99.94, it's so exciting for us to have you because this is, if you were starting a business from a tactical point of view, you could easily say, well, this is the stupidest thing to do. But what we're really trying to prove is the opposite. This is what actually needs to happen. And I think that, you know, we know that radio is king in the West Indies. But, you know, if they want some of your uh, cuss out and your hot takes, you know, we'll, we'll sell, sell you guys on in a heartbeat. So <laughs> I think it's great that you're going to keep going with Caribbean Cricket Podcast. But from the 99.9 network and 99.94 network, which is, you know, basically me in this office and a bunch of backroom staff who don't really exist. Sorry, Moku, if you're listening on while we're recording this, but it's huge to have someone else involved. I can't wait for your first episode. And by that, I mean the first episode that I'm not on to listen in to see what you guys are coming up. I know you've already started planning and scheming and everything else and probably, you know, what's happening each other from various government toilets, but just a huge welcome to 99.94. Thanks for joining. And I will be listening and I hope lots of other people will be as well. Most definitely. Thank you for letting us join the project, Jared. And um, as, as Jared correctly states, people stay locked in. The West Indies 99.94. You're going to get everything you want to know and then some three times a week. What more could you want? You made that sound like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can also download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps. If you'd like to follow us personally, Go to at Carib Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. You can also head to www.caribbeancricketpodcast.com where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. If you'd like to follow us personally, you can find Santolki at Santolki89 and Michelle at MashSTPaddy. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.